Amen. He indeed did conquer the grave. Uh, and uh, we're excited about that reality. That's not something that we just sing about, uh, but it's something that uh, is indeed true, that a risen Savior indeed has come to save a people for himself. Um, if you go ahead and stand with me, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 6, going through verse 7. Uh, I'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 all the way straight through, uh, but if you can just read together with me verses 6 and 7, that would be great. When you got to say amen for me. Amen. Cool, cool, cool. I, I wasn't sure, man. Um, let's go ahead and get it. Verse 6 says this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to entitle this message, Having Clear Eyes and a rooted heart. I want, to, I want to entitle this message, Having Clear Eyes and a Rooted Heart. Being able to see Christ rightly so that you might be deeply rooted in Him. Why don't we go ahead and pray. Father, we're so very thankful for your love toward all of us who believe. Um, there is a precious truth that um, there is a Savior, a God, who holds all the planets together and has come down in a body lived perfectly, died on a brutal cross, rose from the dead again so that we might have hope in you. If that's not true, I don't know anything that is. But if that is, we owe our lives to being saturated by that truth. So allow us, help us, guide us in being rooted more deeply in you by seeing you much clearer than we do now. We love you, praise you, honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seats. Uh, many of you know me very well personally. Um, it's no mistake about it. I'm a, I'm a diehard Sixers fan. Been that way since I was in fourth grade. And if you're a Sixers fan, yeah, you can go ahead and clap too. Um, just a few days ago on Thursday, uh, we had our annual meeting of where all the bad teams get together to try to get a player that's not just a superstar to bring people into the, into the arena, but we need a centerpiece. And the difference between a superstar and a centerpiece is the fact that a superstar can bring people into the arena. They put the numbers up, they get all the buckets, all of that, but they never win. They're not winners. Joe Johnson comes to mind. Um, but, <laughs> silly man. Come on, man. He says my cousin crazy. Um, but, in reality, a centerpiece goes far beyond that. Those are once-in-a-generation type guys, Jordan, Will Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, guys who you can put pretty much anybody around them, and they become immediate contenders for the championship. And what, what happens is I'm not really a fan of the Houston Rockets. I'm not. But one of my favorite centerpiece guys is Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon, if you don't know, he won back-to-back -back championships, albeit Jordan was out. That's cool. We ain't going to bring that up. But he won back-to-back -back championships. And on that first championship team, many people don't realize, but the only other player on his team to average only 14 points a game for their career was Otis Thorpe. Crazy. So you got a player 
in Hakeem Olajuwon who brings a team to a championship title, the greatest reward, and the next best player on his team averaged 14 points for his career. Centerpiece. And what Paul in Colossians wants to lay out is that that's exactly what Christ is to the universe. That, that you could put anything around this guy. And, and when you really think about a centerpiece on the offense, the ball goes to them so they can score, and the ball comes from them so that you can score. If you try to score apart from getting the ball to the centerpiece, co- coach will have you sitting right beside him. Okay? So Christ, all things have flowed from him, he says. By him, all things have been created, and yet all things exist to bring glory back to him. And so if in existence, if Jupiter and Mars and Saturn say that we need Christ for existence, then why shouldn't we? If Jupiter and Mars say Christ is all that we need to hold ourselves together, then why can't my five foot seven self say the same thing? And so that's the whole point of the book of Colossians, is namely that Christ is supreme over all things and he's central to all things. And if that is indeed true, then he's sufficient for you. He's enough. He's enough. And you should make him central to your life if that's the case. And so that's all we're going to talk about today. As we look at having rooted eyes, I mean having clear eyes and a rooted heart, I want to first point out that if we're going to have clear eyes, we must collectively as a group, as the church, see him clearly. We must collectively see him clearly. Verse 1, chapter 2, he says this, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for who? You. He says, well, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and all those at Laodicea for all who have not seen me face to face. He says, I have a great burden and a struggle in prayer. The word here for struggle is agona, really pointing to the word that we, from which we get agony. So there's a burden that he's carrying in his prayer life for this church. This is where it gets interesting, though. And for Laodicea and all who have not seen me face to face. See, this is one of the only churches that Paul planted he writes to, that, I mean, that Paul did not plant that he writes to. Paul did, takes no credit for planting this church. He can't take credit for planting this church. Background info real quick. Epaphras, his boy, I believe he was discipled by Paul, received the gospel in Ephesus, and was one of about 12 who were discipled by Paul, probably just got really revved up by the gospel message, went back to his hometown, shared the gospel, and just began planting churches everywhere, Okay. Paul says, I have a great struggle for you, a people I've never met, so that you might see Christ clearly. Now, that's crazy to me, because I don't have that for my brothers and sisters a lot of times that I see all the time. All the time. And so when the world, why, why, would, why would Paul have this great struggle, this great burden in prayer for a people he's never met? And it's simply because he'd rather see Christ's name exalted more than, he'd, more than he'd rather see his own name celebrated. He, he cares way more about seeing Christ made supreme, made central in somebody's life than he cares about his own name being celebrated. There's a movie, Drumline. I don't know if y'all seen that, John. But um, Nick Cannon plays in that movie, and he's, he's a tough solo artist. He comes in as a freshman, just killing the game. And so the guy who's the lead over the drumline basically starts getting jealous, gets him kicked off the team, and the band director goes to the, the lead of the drum line, and he says this. 
He says, why are you so upset with him? Do you remember why I made you the lead? He said, it wasn't because you, your solo game was tough. It wasn't because you were nasty with the sticks. It was, it's simply because you like the sound of the drum line more than you like the sound of your own drum. And here it is. Paul has not forgotten that. Matter of fact, in another place, Paul says people are preaching Christ just to get back, to, back at him in prison. And he says, cool. <laughs> Whether in pretense or in truth, that Christ is preached. He doesn't care about who's doing the preaching because he simply wants to exist so that Christ might be made central in the life of the church. Now, in reality, the legacy that a man can leave like that is crazy. Where you don't have to have your fingerprints on everything. Where all you care about is seeing Christ exalted. I mean, what kind of legacy can a man like this leave? I think of guys like Dr. Tony Evans, Tom Skinner. Guys like Crawford Larisse, people who you don't even know the ministries that have been influenced by their word simply because they lead with an open hand. Dr. Eric Mason right here at Epiph sent out four of his most dynamic leaders in just a few years because he simply exists to see Christ exalted in the life of the church. And it doesn't matter if his name is connected or tied to it. So, so what kind of legacy are you desiring to leave? Do, do, do you have this type of heart that says, man, my deepest desire is that Christ be made central in the life of believers? And, and the reality is you can't have that if you don't fight like that in your own world. Like if you're not fighting to make Christ central in your own world, if he's just something that you do at Christmas time, if he's just something that you do on Sundays every once in a while, then there's no way you're going to have a burden for him to be central in the life of other people. Impossible. And so he has this burden for them, and he says this is why. Verse 2 says this, that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches. Somebody say all. all. All the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He says, really, my pain and my burden for you to see Christ rightly, for us to see Christ rightly, is so that you might be encouraged in your hearts being knit together and so that your minds might be instructed. He says those are the two reasons, so that your hearts might be encouraged and so that your minds might be instructed. He says your hearts might be encouraged, knit together in love. What does this mean? It's very simple. If we are seeing Christ rightly, if I'm fighting deeply in my life to see him rightly, and you're doing the exact same thing, then through the church, we're going to be drawn together. We're going to be knit together no matter who you are. Like, like, real talk, if, if I, I'm a big fan of Zimburger. I don't know if y'all been across the bridge to go to Zimburger, but if y'all know me, I love Zimburger. But if I like Zimburger, you like Zimburger, we find ourselves at Zimburger a whole lot, at some point in time, we're going to bump heads with one another, right? And that's going to be enough at least to start a conversation, even if we don't have anything else in common. Well, in the same way, if I'm fighting to see Christ rightly, if I'm fighting to make him central, if I'm fighting to make him supreme, and you're doing the exact same thing, the Holy Spirit is going to draw us together through the church, and we might not have anything else in common, but we will have one matchless, glorified, eternal person in common. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's, he's enough not just to start a conversation between us, 
but to knit our hearts together for eternity. We're black folk, white folk, Korean folk, whatever. We come together closely. I've seen this in my own life. My brother, Danny Chung, and I call him my brother, not just even in the general sense, but I, I love this brother deeply. He's going to plant uh, with Pastor Brandon in Brooklyn. And I never in my life would have thought that I have a Korean person as a brother. <laughs> never. I, I've seen him walk down the street. I just go the other way. High and by, cool, maybe, but we just don't hang in the same circles. But because I'm fighting to see Christ central, and he's fighting to see the same Christ central, I tell him things I share before I share with any of my so-called skin brothers. Crazy. Why? One person, Christ. One person can do all of that. He says the next thing, not just to encourage your hearts, but also to instruct your minds. He says, I want to give you full assurance. Full assurance. This points to peace of mind. He said, full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He says, I want to give you peace of mind. And the way in which you get peace of mind is not by humming to yourself. <laughs> Emptying yourself. That's not how you, you get peace of mind. The way you get peace of mind is by knowing the truth. Like, like if you feed your stomach nastiness all the time, it's never going to settle. If you, if you feed your mind all types of nonsense, you're always going to be stressed out. You're always going to be anxious. You'll never have a trajectory in your life. Not one that's deeply rooted. You might take up a cause here and there. I want to help out orphans want to help out the homeless. It might work for a few months, maybe a few years. But at some point in time, somebody's going to ask you, so what's the point? Why? And if you're not connected deeply to the truth, you got nothing to stand on. And you're going to give up. <laughs> and, and, and it's going to get real difficult for you. But if it's connected to the truth, even when it doesn't feel good, you can still push forward in Christ even when it don't feel good. He says he want to give full assurance. And the next thing he says, he says, which is Christ, the mystery of God? I, I wish I could spend all day right here, honestly. This, this mystery, he wants to point to the fact that, listen, people, y'all are in a privileged position Abraham gets praised. Moses gets praised. Elijah gets praised. David is a story told to all the children's churches in America every Sunday pretty much. I mean, all these guys. And yet they were never in a privileged position that you were in. Because the mystery has been revealed. Who's the mystery? Christ. And he says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to understand life better? Go to the Christ. You want to be able to have a trajectory for your life? Go to Christ. I mean, I mean you want a cause to take up? Go to Christ. I mean, all the hidden treasures. I think of when I had my firstborn son, Aaron, and just the anticipation that came with this mystery, this hidden treasure in her womb. And I go to her, and we go to the hospital, and there's a sonogram, and you can hear the heartbeat. Whew. Feel that? The anticipation's building up. 
And then I go and, and we, we get the ultrasound and you can start seeing fingers and arms and hands and the anticipation's building. And, and then you go back and you start to see what sex it is. And I was really excited because it was a son. I didn't have to grieve at that time. Um, don't lie. You know, you know it's happened for some of y'all. You were expecting one thing. That didn't happen. But the anticipation's building up. And then at some point in time, you start to see a moving in the mom's womb. It's freaky at first, really scary, creep me out. But it's so dope because you know something's in there. You're like, what is this going to be? And then finally, with great agony, great pain, great labor, she gives birth to this child. And, and I mean, honestly, I thought she would want nothing to do with him because of the pain that he brought her through. <laughs> Absolutely nothing to do with her. But when they bring her, bring him to my, my wife, she held him closely. Because she was in a privileged position to be holding life in her hands. Well, John, the Baptist, when Jesus came to the Jordan, John had probably baptized thousands of people. But with this one guy, he says, now behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one who we've been waiting for. The one we've been waiting for. He's here. Do you understand the privilege you have? To be able to commune with him. And do you take advantage of it? Seeing him rightly. And he goes on. He says this. Verse 4. He says, I say this, that all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of it, pointing back to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, when wisdom is personified, he says, all of it's found in Christ. I say this. So that no one may persuade you and delude you with persuasive arguments or plausible arguments. He says, I say this so that no one may deceive you. And really, in our country now, it's very easy to be persuaded to follow something other than Christ. I mean, easily persuaded. And what he's pointing to, this word for plausible arguments, is really one word, just pointing to persuasive words. It's not legitimate arguments, but it just sounds very good. Our statement of salvation, I want to let everyone here know this, because I know there are people in here who have been persuaded by nonsense. But our, our statement of salvation, which is we believe salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and what? Christ alone. Every plausible argument, every persuasive speech is going to take arms against one of those aspects. People who are moralists, who get their sense of identity from being really, really good people, who are religious, who are pious, who tell you how many times they go to church, which prayer meetings they go to, they are going to hate in grace alone, by grace alone. They don't like that. Why? What is my word coming into play? I want some credit for this. They don't like that. And so they're going to come with any type of language to try to get you off the rocker, to try to change your focus from the fact that it's by grace alone. A free gift, Paul says. Well, what about people who are atheists and humanists? They're going to say, I don't like in faith, by, uh, through faith alone. That's not fun for me, through faith alone? Salvation comes? No, no, no. It has to be by reason, right? Meanwhile, these same guys who are trying to discard your faith have an even greater faith because it's not based in anything. 
I mean, I'm, I, I told this in the first, I, I'm, I'm a, a little bit nerdy, so don't ask me why I know this. But the guy who founded DNA, okay, and there's a scientific name for it, I'm not going to get into it. The guy who founded DNA, looking at DNA molecules, saw the billions of parses and all the information in there. He was like, this can't have just come by itself. So you know what? I'm going to believe in God. No, that makes sense. He says, uh, dang, this is tougher. Man, it can't be God. It can't be God. You know what? Aliens did it. They came, dropped off life, and then hijacked out of there. And he wants you to get rid of your faith in one who rose from the dead. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I'm liking faith alone. And then everybody doesn't like in Christ alone. <laughs> that just bothers everybody. But particularly pluralists, people who believe that all the religions just kind of point the same way. And, and, and the reality is this is just not the case. We believe in the Son of God, God who came in the flesh, died on a brutal, bloody, gory cross, rose from the dead physically. Like he got up, not in a dream. He didn't make visual appearances. He was real. He ate with his boys after he died. We believe in that. That is not the same as praising Allah. That's not the same as pantheism. It's just not. I'm not trying to say better or worse. I'm just saying it's different clearly, right? Yeah. Very different. I think it is better. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> verse 5 says this, man. It says, for though I am absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith. Here Paul is just simply giving, giving encouragement and a warning. He said, don't let up your guard. The, the language used here is very military language, good order. He said, there should be a collective group of people who are fighting to see Christ rightly, keeping their eyes on the general. He says, don't, don't lose the fact that this is a war. It's not going to be easy to continue seeing Christ rightly when media and peers and people who are over you are constantly feeding you the opposite thing. Just keep your eyes on the, on the truth, the one who keeps you stable, and that's exactly where he goes next. And so if we're going to have clear eyes and, and deep roots, we must first have collectively be able to see Christ rightly. But point two, we must be individually rooted in him. Individually rooted in him. He says, think back. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Think back, Christians. Where were you when you received Christ? Have you received Christ? But think back. Were, were you prideful and boastful like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I'm going to take care of business this time. Yeah. Yeah, Christ, yeah, come help me out because I already got this under control. No, most of us were straight up desperate and had no clue how we were going to live out the scripture. I mean, me personally, I was wrestling. I was like, I know your truth. Uh, I know you came and died on the cross for my sins, and I know I need you. I have no clue how I'm going to walk this out, though. Like, absolutely no clue. I was desperate. I was dependent. And he says, good. Remember that. Remember that time. And he says, Christ Jesus the Lord. Remember who you received. 
He doesn't even point to our friendship with Christ here. Our, 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 we do have great friendship with Christ, but that's not what he points to right here because he wants to remind them who it is that you received. You received Christ Jesus, the Lord, pointing to the fact that he's Lord whether or not you respond to him or not. And at some point in time, every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess his name. He said, you received that guy. He says, so just as you received him, so walk in who? Him. How did you receive him, friends? We just talked about it. By grace through faith. So how do we obey him? (laughs) By grace through faith. How do I love him more? I'm just going to fight really hard to love him. Gosh, it doesn't work. (laughs) You're just going to lose your mind and go crazy. No, I begin to love him more by his grace through faith. How do I obey him? Man, this time is really hard, Lord. Gosh, you know what? Not going to look, not going to look. I mean, just going crazy in your mind. But he says by his grace through faith. It's a simple Walk. You ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? I said no. (laughs) Brother Rich. (laughs) Come on, Doc. (laughs) Man, all right. Um, (laughs) Forrest Gump is hilarious um, because they exaggerate this point. He's like running the whole time, right? And he's running through pretty much time periods and seasons, and places, and all of this. But what's very interesting about Forrest Gump is that through all of that running, I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure there's a lot of muscles and stamina going on. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole bunch going on. But you don't see Forrest Gump in the middle of the movie get away from the simplistic one foot after the other. While there's a lot of muscles going on, there's a lot going on, it's a very simple run. One foot after the other, the same way he learned it. It's the same way for us Christians. He didn't start doing the running man to get around. You know what I'm saying? It sounds good, the running man, right? I must be getting real far. No. He started doing the moonwalk. He did the simplistic one foot after the other. That kind of stuff is, is real good for performance, but not for production. And, and, and like, believers... There's too often that we try to show off some type of righteousness that we have in order to perform for people. When real talk is by grace through faith, that what produces real fruit is his grace and our faith in him. He goes on and he says, what does this walk look like in him? What does it look like? He says... You were rooted in him, built up in him, and established in the faith. So this word for rooted, uh, he's pointing to the fact that we have been rooted in Christ, but we are also being rooted in Christ. It's a beautiful truth, y'all, that Christ has come and established deep roots in him. But he says, you're also built up in him, and you're established in the faith. So us being rooted points to the fact that Christ is our source. Us being built up in him points to the fact that Christ is our stability. He's, he's the one in whom we, we don't waver in. And, and him being, us being established in him points to Christ is our strength. So if Christ is our source, Christ is our stability, 
and Christ is our strength, where else do we need to go for sufficiency? <laughs> like, where else do you need to go? This idea of source really points to what John talks about, which is abiding in him in John 15. Really staying in him, remaining in him. Like, like for us as people, our source of life is our heart. Without a heart, you don't live. How silly it would be for me to be like, yo, Pastor Larry, man. Yeah, you got a heart. I got one too. I'm going to shut mine off for a week though. Um, and you do your thing, okay? Like, I know that you like to have a heart beating, you like to have your lungs functioning, but for me, I'm going to take a week off of my heart beating. I mean, I heard a, a story recently where a preacher took a year off of Christianity. What? What? I took a year off from my heart beating, yo, just... <laughs> I just didn't like how it woke me up in the morning, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? It's silly. Like, living and without a heartbeat are completely contradictory. Why? Because your heart is your source of life. Living and without Christ daily in the Christian life is completely contradictory. Why? Because Christ is your source of life. And Paul goes as far to say, man, forget the source part. He says, y'all aren't getting it. He says, Christ is your life. <laughs> but do you see him like that? Is he just another add-on? Feel real good? To make you feel a little bit better about yourself? I did my good deed for the day. You know what I'm saying? I got, got in prayer. Is that, is that how you look at the faith? This is uh, from Tim Keller. He says this. He says, Listen to what sin is. A lot of us get sin confused and twisted. We're like, what is sin? Is it just doing bad things? Is it not liking this person? Like, what is sin? Is it going to the movies? Like, what is sin? Tim Keller says this. I love this quote. This actually had me in tears. Sin is creating a sense of identity by making anything more central to your significance, purpose, or happiness than your relationship to God. Summary, sin is making anything more central to your significance, happiness, or purpose than your relationship to God. How often do we do this? This is very easy. Like we find our significance in so many other things. So many other things. We don't fight sin by trying really, really hard all the time. We fight sin by being deeply rooted in the source. Amen. Amen. Deeply rooted in the source. You, you, you know that you've lost a sense of rootedness and you forgot who you're rooted in when externals become essentials. Everybody got a phone in here, right? Okay, I'm sure y'all do. In the top right-hand corner, most of the time, there's a battery, little artistic battery that can ruin your life. Y'all ever had that thing uh, go to 20% where it gets red? You been on SEPTA before when it happened? Where you, you don't got no charger around, and you know you got to go all the way down, right? And then it gets to 7%. You start freaking out, don't you? You feel that anxiety? 
You feel it right now, don't you? Like, this is a nightmare. Stop it. All of a sudden, it gets down to 0%. You who were shy start making friends with people you don't even know. <laughs> and, and you be acting like, man, you know, I'm just shy. I can't share the gospel because I don't know how to start the conversation. The words come real quick then, though. Hey, man, I know we don't know each other. I need a charger, bro. Like, nothing else. I just need a charger, bro. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, real fast. It's crazy because your phone dying can catastrophically ruin your day. But you can go a week go two weeks, go a month, without truly seeking the God of the universe. And, and how you respond, man, I should go to church, man. Man, I should, I should probably spend time with the Lord. I, I'll get to it tomorrow. When was the last time your day was catastrophically ruined because you didn't get time with Jesus? But it happens for a plastic or aluminum, whatever the new iPhone is made out of, phone. You see how twisted that is? But Christ has come to supply the remedy. He said, I'm still here, though. I'm still calling you to myself. Respond to me. I'm much more than a little battery in the top right corner. God, the Holy Spirit, if you trusted Christ, is in you calling you to himself, saying you need me, respond. And it's good. It's good. There's a sense of significance that you get only when you're rooted in Christ. <laughs> Where you don't have to go on Facebook or Instagram, post a picture to make yourself feel a little bit better about yourself based on the likes you get. When you're feeling down about yourself, you're like, oh, I just got to post something. Need some likes. Need some likes. Start itching. Need some likes. Need some likes. <laughs> but it's like, you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm losing my sense of significance. Would you give me a sense of identity in you who are not only the one who's significant, but you're preeminent over all things? You just feel a little bit more important when you know the, the most important person in the room. Like if Jordan walked in here and I was cousins with him, I'd be looking out, oh, that's Jordan. I start puffing my chest out. My bank account could be on zero, and I'm still going to feel good about myself because Jordan's in the room. I know that guy. feel a little bit better. How much more if you abide in the one who's not just the most important person in the room, but the most important person in the universe? You don't need significance from people outside of him. When it comes to that, but you're not going to get that if you're not daily having intimacy with him. You're losing your sense of rootedness. And Christ says, you're still rooted. You're still rooted. And close with this, verse 7. I'm out your way. He says, those who are rooted in him, built up in him, and established in the faith, who are walking in him, summarize it. What's the response? Is it boredom? Does he say that? Does he say it's slavery? Say it's a just a whack life? No, he says, 
You'll be abounding in thanksgiving. You should be abounding in thanksgiving. Like we think that if we spend a lot of time with the Lord, we'll just quickly be bored. And that's why we don't go to him normally. But I'm telling you that if you spend your time with Jesus, like give into it, like actually do it, you will find that there are truly pleasures forevermore in his presence. That, That if you consistently go to him, you will find that there's joy everlasting. And I'm not saying this in some cliche way. I know I'm young. Y'all say I haven't lived enough life. I'm telling you I have. There's nothing more satisfying than being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is hard work. It is hard work. I'm going to end with this. In a passage, John 15, where Christ is talking about abiding in him, being in him, the same response happens. At the end of the passage, he says that your joy may be complete. reality is, is that as I share the gospel around, around here, I realize that the worst apologetic in the world is a consistently discontent Christian. A person who knows the book, says that they know Christ, and yet they're just as miserable all the time as you don't know what. People get turned off quickly. They're like, if you know all of that, and you're still just as miserable as me, why would I go to that? There's no such thing as a proud object of mercy, y'all. My mother, close with this illustration, my mom in fourth grade let me invite all my friends over to the house. And we had a sleepover. It was cool. But there was one particular presence that I wanted. And that present was NBA in the zone for Nintendo 64. All right? Dating myself a little bit. That's cool. Nintendo 64, NBA in the zone. Love it. Well, I didn't get that present. And as an hour went by, I still didn't get that present. So I started wilding out on my mom. I'm like, Mom, I told you what I wanted. Now, normally, my mom would have grabbed me by my collar, thrown me up against the wall, and nobody's calling child abuse on her, all right? (laughs) Nobody. Not this time. I was like, I'm wilding out. She goes around the corner in the midst of me going crazy. And she pulls out the game, and she says, you don't deserve this, but I want to give it to you anyway. That's the gospel. We didn't deserve Christ to come for his flesh to be ripped, for him to bleed, for him to give his life. We didn't deserve that. But he said, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, his enemies. And so we should be thankful. Nobody had to tell me to clean my room that day. I went and vacuumed my room, dog. I mean, nobody had to tell me to clean the dishes. They were washed. The trash was out. Everything that my mom needed was done. Abundantly thankful. Because when you receive a good gift, that's how you respond. That's how you respond. But you're not going to overflow in thankfulness if you're not daily being filled up with living water. So this is my, my challenge to y'all. Tell everybody I walk with, every dude I walk with, do the same thing. 
make a list, and it's going to grow, of your top five reasons why you need to daily be with Christ. Top five reasons why you daily need to be with Christ. It might be because you're not as loving to your wife. It might be because you're just a little bit more groggy. It might be because you don't do your job as well. Whatever it is, my list is is now 14 deep. And whenever you feel like, ah, it's cool, I could go a day without having real intimacy, exclusive intimacy with him, go back and look at that list. And then fall on your face and say, yeah, Lord, I need you. Yeah, Lord, I need you. And then I also make a call to you who are not believers. Get rooted. Being rooted simply means that you have placed your full confidence in Christ Jesus and that you are now his. I mean, the difference between a tree and a log is simply that it doesn't have any roots. (laughs) They had to make a whole new word for for a tree that doesn't have roots. And it's not that it's worse. A log serves its purposes. It just doesn't bear any fruit. Get rooted in Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy to those of us who know we were sinners. I pray that uh, for every convicted heart that you encourage and comfort them and say, yeah, I just want time with you. And for those who don't know you, I pray that they will place their full trust and confidence in you, that they may live for you, and that for the rest of their days they might truly find that in your presence there are pleasures forevermore. We love you and thank you, and it's all in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.